Welcome to Don't Be an Idiot. What's going on, guys? Jake, uh, you got a story for us. Yeah, I'm going to start with the story today. Uh, I'm going to go back all the way to like 21-year-old Jake sitting in her theology class at Oklahoma Baptist University. Uh, It might have been our Baptist history and theology class. Uh, And uh, one of the common teaching techniques that professors use is they bring the students forward and they have to debate on whatever topic you're using. So Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you know, if Caleb and I are going to talk about how old was Jesus when he died? Mm. Uh, And there's two stances. Even if you don't agree with one of them, one of the best ways to learn about it is that you have to debate on a side that you don't agree with. I did debate pro-abortion one time. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, So this one was actually about election. And I Mm. had to debate uh, essentially the Arminian view or the, Mm -hmm. the free will, the free will side of that. And I remember embarrassing myself uh, because I got up there and not only did I not know what I was saying, I kept saying things like I knew what I was saying, which is almost worse. Like, can you give me an example? Yeah. Like, uh, I remember a definition of like, uh, double predestination or something like that. Like I went into, these are really deep, you know, it's like no <laughs> yeah, one, you're ta- losing me. <laughs> yeah, no one talks about these outside of theology classes. Right, you know, right. one of the funny things about college was you thought you were going to, but, but the point of the story is like, mm. I didn't know my Bible well enough, but I acted like I did because I thought I did. Okay. So, so this was kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah. Today we're talking about predators of the faith Yeah, and things that are putting not not just our own personal faith in, in jeopardy, but as we look at our culture, different things that uh, is subjecting people in our culture to walking away from the faith. Five different predators of the faith. Okay, well, let's go. Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Expecting the minimum, 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 the minimum. That's a formula I can live by. Don't be an idiot. Get up and do better. Two imperfect pastors trying to figure it out. Five predators of the faith, Caleb. And and this is a little bit of a different way we're doing this podcast than we've done podcasts in the past. Why? Like, what's going on? Well, we want to address it. So even in that story, it wasn't necessarily a story of you being an idiot. It was, but it was a story of you having to see yourself as where you actually are mm. and exposed in some <laughs> exposure. Ways. Yeah. And, and coming to face to face with your reality. And that's not necessarily being an idiot, but it's, it's a painful exposure. And so we're going to look at five different predators and uh, we'll just, uh, I'll say them uh, first is biblical illiteracy. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we're going to go into the problem of evil as that's a big cultural question. That's not a new one though. No, that one's pretty old. That that one, uh, we're talking uh, Jewish scholars have written pre-Jesus yeah. about the For me, that was the big question of my mm. faith when I was late high school or the college was that. That would so. be great. Uh, hypocrisy. the number That is the number one reason I hear. It's the dumbest of the reasons. I agree. <laughs> uh, that will be a fun conversation slash, uh, yeah. Uh, this one is a really current one, politicized faith. Yeah, it seems uh, in the last, maybe we're too young to know, Caleb, but it seems in the last mm. 20 years, this one has come to the top, has risen to the top a little bit. In in our culture, I think I think so. It is now yeah. a, a much more leading one. Uh, and then the last, and this is, I'm excited to end with this one, is self-denial. I think when it boils down to it, this is one of the biggest ones here. Mm. Like, if you can work at this, 
You know what I mean? The self-denial part. So, mm, well, cool. Great. So, biblical illiteracy is the first predator. And so, when we talk about predator, think about something that attacks our faith. And honestly, when we watch people walk away from the faith, walk away right. from church, these are the kind of the top five, at least in, in our minds, that we're seeing right now in culture taking people away, or at least what they're saying is taking them away. Yeah. And so... I think it's a fun place to start, Caleb. Yep. I think that might be the most important place to start. Well, so biblical illiteracy, just explain what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was just going to ask you. Uh, biblical illiteracy, uh, as they define it, it's not Bible studying. It's not even knowing facts about the Bible. It's knowing what is the story of the Bible. What, what's the, the message? And, and that does necessitate knowing some actual basic information about it. But it's, it's seeing how that, what is the story of the Bible? And today, well, here, can, can I read you a yeah, little bit it. of an article? This is from uh, April 20th of 2022, and it's written by Christianity Today. The title, well, I'll just get into it. Ren researchers for the American Bible Society's annual State of the Bible report saw this year's survey statistics. They found it hard to believe the results. The data said that roughly 26 million people had mostly or completely stopped reading the Bible in the last year. In 2021, about 50% of Americans said that they read the Bible on their own at least three or four times per year. Wait, wait, per year? Yeah, yeah. So this is not daily reading. This means I've... One of those is the Christmas story before they open presents. Right. Yeah. Right. This is... And and there's other things that, that go into that. Like, hey, I have a problem. I'm going to go do like a word search in the Bible to see how it is. Yeah. Or the the popular one, just open the Bible and start reading Popcorn, a verse. Popcorn. Popcorn. Yeah. Yep. So these are not dedicated Bible readers, but the the it, it continues on. That percentage has stayed more or less the same since 2001. So for about 10 years, between 2011 and 2021, uh, 50% of Americans said they read the Bible on their own three or four times a year. But in 2022, it dropped 11 points. Now only 39% say they read the Bible multiple times per year. It's the steepest and sharpest decline on record. I, If I'm honest, Caleb, some a way that I've changed the way that I am a pastor, specifically a youth pastor, is I cannot assume anymore when I stand up on a Wednesday night to teach mm. that if I say, open up your Bible to the book of Genesis, and if I, I can't just drop in the middle mm. and, and assume or expect them to understand and know what used to be pretty common knowledge of Bible story, even, even just the Bible stories. Only 65% of adults know that Genesis is the first book in the Bible. It's funny because it literally means beginning. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of irony there. Genesis. <laughs> yeah. Still in our language. Like Still, it, It's yeah. not even like it's an old yeah. Hebrew word. It's a word we actually use to say in the beginning. I got, I've got another uh, statistic. This is a poll uh, that polled uh, just shy of 3,500 adults in America. And it asked 32 questions. So the, the, And it gives the answer based off... Uh, each group responding. So, so the group, for example, Hispanic Catholics, out of 32 questions, they averaged 11 and a half. Correct. So it's like a quiz, like it's a, a 32 quiz. question yeah, quiz. 32 question quiz. How many questions did they get right? So it's a really good indicator of Bible literacy. Like, hey, do you, yeah. do you know these things? 
again, it's not just facts, but it's, it's bigger than that, but it does contain facts. So Hispanic Catholics don't know their Bible at all. They, they got 11.6, uh, just nothing in particular, by the way, that group averaged 15.2. Correct. Uh, coming to where we are, white evangelical Protestants. That would, that's us. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> just over half. 17.6. So they got like a 62%. They 62%. got a solid D. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, let's go with this. The, the top group. What do you think the top group that got the most biblically, biblical literacy questions correct? Mm, like it would be, well, I know that the, uh, oh, not the Protestants, the um, like Pentecostal groups mm. are on the rise right now. They're all growing. Why? Uh, Baptists are, are shrinking. So okay, is it that group? I, they, there's not actually in this group, but it's the atheist and agnostic. Knew the came Bible. Came in at number one at 20.9. So a I mean, full, that's got a little to do with atheism tends to flourish in uh, academia. Mm. Uh, and so by, by just the selection of the people, they're going to be student. The article studious. concludes this way. Okay. One person posted this comment on the Christian website that shared this finding. No big surprise. Believers think with their heart and non-believers think with, with their heads. To which another person responded, actually, everyone thinks with their heads. Believers just do so less. Yeah, I, I want to throw, like the idea <laughs> that you're thinking with your heart is a terrible, terrible thing. You know what I mean? So, which means you're being operated by your feelings. That's really what they're talking about. Yes. So, uh, so this is, I, I mean... Just both uh, for, for both of us as we're not that old, but we've seen a noticeable decline just as we go. You can't reference Abraham. No. And, and people know who it is. And people know who that is. You can't, uh, uh, Adam and Eve, Paul, um, he, even Jesus. There's just this vagueness. Um, one of the words I've recently tried to drop from my vocabulary in general is the word God. Easy there, big guy. You had to explain that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because God, there's no common understanding or definition for what exactly are we talking about? You mean everyone has their own specific everyone definition of God? Everyone has their own definition of God. Is that how the Bible talks about God? <laughs> well, the Bible, uh, well, that's actually why we go to the Bible. Because to find <laughs> who God is. <laughs> to find who God is. When we've moved away from the foundation of the Bible, everybody gets to make it up in their own mind. I love that the beginning of the Bible actually starts with trying to define who God is. Because mm -hmm. we're writing into a world that is uh, polytheistic, generally mm -hmm. speaking, who will, will accept many different gods. And it comes out saying, hey, uh, in the beginning, God created. Created. It sets God above. Uh, and so no longer... God's not a first among equals. Mm. He is the only the He is the only God who stands above and creates. Mm -hmm. uh, it defines it from the first page. From the honestly, I've moved. I grew up homeschooled. We've mentioned that several times. So I grew up with, like with a lot of the creation science stuff, learning that in science classes and whatnot. And so I was always pretty solid on the hey Genesis, while written in poetry, is still describing real actual real. events. That, that happened in history. But what I've become even more aware of in the last, I'm talking months of my life, is that God as creator 
is the story of the Bible that it tells from page one all the way through. And that if you try and say the, the, Hey, uh, Genesis one and two, whatever you could set that aside. Uh, and we could still go to Jesus. Well, Jesus, John in reflecting on who Jesus was, was in the beginning, he was with God and was God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. So, John, one of the biographers of Jesus, says, no, no, no. The fact that he is creator is essential for understanding who Jesus is. And if you try and say, well, he's not, he's not creator. He, he, they, they, uh, they're creator in, in the managerial sense. That, that they oversaw, that they initiated the evolutionary process. And you're like, well, okay, you can say that, but that's not the story the Bible tells. In every single section of the Bible, it's God as creator, which gives him authority. And that's where biblical literacy is such an important thing, is that people hear great things. Oh, well, just Genesis 1 and 2, that's just a myth, that's just a story. So I want to pull back a little bit from that conversation specifically to say, what do we do about that? How do we begin to combat it? And and and. I think if you're going to ask, what do you do about it? You need to know why is it happening? That's great. Uh, and, and you touched on something there because people are accepting things that are said about the Bible without actually going to the Bible for themselves. Mm. Uh, I think another reason, I think people come to the Bible lazily. Hmm. Like, yes, the Bible has been written so that every person who picks it up can read it. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not a bedtime story where you can just passively hear it, you have to, I think, dig into it. Yeah. You have to have an understanding uh, from the very beginning, as you're saying. So because if you want to understand the book of Jeremiah, <laughs> I think you had to have a good understanding of the book of Genesis. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to understand why Jesus is doing a lot of the things he's doing, mm-hmm. we just had this conversation about him cursing the fig tree in Passion Week. And I said to Caleb, that's one of the most confusing things in the Bible. And he goes, but mm-hmm. it's not. You know, and he, uh, and uh, he had been studying it recently and was excited yeah. about the tie-ins. Yeah, sorry. I, uh, no, no, no. I exploded on that one. What I'm trying to get to is we are given this gift. Yeah. And if you don't pick it up and use it, you're not going to get it by osmosis. <laughs> like, it's not just going to happen. You can't just show up on a Sunday morning and expect to be a Bible student. Yeah, I, just big again, why this is so important because it explains who God is. We've kind of already hit on that. It, we already hit on who Jesus is. And third, who are we? Uh, you make fun of me and I'm completely okay with this. That every time I preach, I, I go let's go to, to Genesis. <laughs> let's turn to Genesis. That's my thing. That's my jam. Because in Genesis, we figure out who God is and who we were and are. Why were we, what were we created to be? And then ultimately leading, and then the the rest of the Old Testament is explaining more about who God is and who we are and how we failed in that relationship and how we need a new representative. We need a new Adam. We need a new type of human being, ultimately all pointing to Jesus in in the gospels. And that's so important. That's so essential. Like, I'm afraid that people are just going to listen to this and be like, oh, yeah, Caleb said this great thing. No, no, no. He just said something that is foundational to you as a Christian Mm. and your relationship with God. You go to the Bible so God is defined, Mm -hmm. so that you are defined. 
Mm. And it clearly defines your relationship with him. Mm. I had a professor used to say, and I love this. I wish, you know, this is the times I sometimes I wish we had video, but he, he would hold his Bible up in front of the class. And he said, there's three ways to read the Bible. Okay. And he, he would put it under his feet. Oh, which, that's great. And he would be like, you can be over the top of the Bible and you can put in your experiences and your expectations and your thoughts. And he pick up the Bible and he says, or you can hold it tight. Okay, to you. Just go, go back to that one. First one. So you're over top of the Bible. What's the way you've seen that done? Uh, can, can you think of how you've seen that work? Yeah, out? I mean, I, I think if you know, I'm having a really hard time, so I went to the Bible to find an answer to my specific 21st century problem. Yes. That's a problem. <laughs> That's not your, the Bible wasn't written to you in 2023. Right. None of it. And so if you now start it's all written for you, yeah, but it's not written to you. Yeah, no, no. If, so okay. if you begin to, to insert yourself too far into the scripture, you're going to come up either disappointed because it didn't answer the question you answered, or you're going to come up with something out of bad context and you're going to say something that the Bible doesn't really say. Yeah, yeah. And I would add to that, or you're going to be disenfranchised with the Bible because it said something that doesn't agree with your values. Oh, the Bible's a hard thing to read. <laughs> yeah. You got to approach it with some humility. Jesus there. is Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which God. means you submit. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's great. Okay. Over so standing top of, on top of it, or I, I he says, the, or you're equal with it. Okay. That, so he held it to his chest, and he would be like, okay. So, or you can come to it where, like, I just, you know, it's me and the Bible, and, and kind of a similar vein of like my feelings are going into it, and it says, mm. speaks to me, and I speak to it. It's not the ultimate authority in your life. You have the ability to trumpet if it does if you don't like something as, as you okay. just said okay so like oh i like all of i hear this i i like this i like the jesus of the bible but i don't like the god of the bible i've heard people say yeah, that's you know what i mean and, and you're, caleb's like the veins in his head are <laughs> pulsing but but that's this i'm, I'm yes. equal with the bible so the first one is i'm above it i'm authoritative over yep. it the second one is we're, we're informing uh, to each other um d- just Going with that, I think that's actually maybe a little bit more accurately what I'm uh, talking about with uh, things that are unpopular in the Bible, things that our our culture doesn't love or agree with. Well, we've progressed as a culture. So that's an old ethic. Yeah, we've ethically and, and morally advances a society. So it's not that it's wrong or I'm better than it, but but I am. It's a fallacy that every year we get better. <laughs> like uh, because we're, we live in 2023 and Jesus lived in you know AD 33 that we are just yes. inherently better because we've lived right. We're not morally superior. The, no, we might be technologically. We are technologically we, we superior, are. but but yeah. So no, the last great. way was he would put the Bible on top of his head and he says, mm-hmm. "You live in such a way that the Bible is the authority in your life mm. and everything that you you do, say, think, act, the job you work, and and of course as you're sitting here, if you're a Christian, you're understanding." Uh, what the heck is going on? You know what I mean? Like that's clearly mm. the one you want to do. And so, but he was really, it was a really simplified way of trying to say, if the Bible is not the authority in your life, you might as well not even pick it up. Like it's by just saying, I'm a Christian, you are allowing God to be the authority in your life. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so it's more than just answering Bible quizzes, like the atheist right. and the agnostic. Right. They know, but they're, they're doing better on that test objectively than Christians. So, can you know the Bible and not know God is a good question. Absolutely. I, th- I think James straight up says that. He, he says, uh, you do well to believe. Great. Congratulations. The, demon. the demons believe and they tremble because of it. Yeah. But your life has not changed is, is his point here. Yeah. And, and that if your life is not changed as a result of experiencing, of encountering the God of the Bible, 
you've missed the point. So we should not be surprised then, Caleb, that people who are walking away from the faith don't really understand the Bible. Mm. Because if you really understand the Bible and you're submitting to it, I'm not sure you can walk from the faith. Mm. <laughs> it's it's your lifeline. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, it, it, so <laughs> interestingly, I had a professor that did almost the exact opposite thing, but <laughs> same point. Okay. Uh, he he held out a Bible flat. It, he was a he has his PhD in counseling, and uh, a seminary degree, his MDiv. And, and he did his counseling first, probably, which would bring a cool perspective. I don't know what he did first, but those yeah, so mixed was, are a cool perspective. He was a counseling yeah. pro- professor, so it was in. Now I had him for a, a bunch of classes, and I tried to take as many of his classes as I could because he was amazing. And uh, Dr. Edgington was his name. Shout out. Is his name. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he changed it. <laughs> or he died or anything, yeah. Uh, but he, uh, he, he held up the Bible. And, and what he said was like, hey, there are lots of philosophies of, of counseling out there and lots of different things. And what you have to weigh it all by is if it lands on the word of God. Meaning if it's in agreement with the word of God, okay. we can take it and implement it and use it. But if it's something that doesn't land on the foundation of the word of God, it will not last. So if it is something you can find in the pages of scripture, hold on to that. Use it. Uh, we referenced in, in a couple of weeks ago some some books. Well, and if those books are telling truths mm-hmm. that are echoed in the pages of scripture, let's embrace them and use them. Uh, are not all of secular psychology is bad. Not all of uh, business is bad. Not, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about, not, not all progress, uh, yeah. not all uh, slavery is a common one. We'll maybe get to some of that when we talk about hypocrisy. Um, the, the world right now, that, that's a good advancement in general, but it agrees with the pages of scripture. It agrees with the values of scripture. It's not contrary to that. And so we as Christians can take that and implement that. I, I don't think it's a far stretch that people that are listening to this will be like, yeah, I maybe have also seen a decline in biblical knowledge. Uh, it might even be humbling to say, I'm not sure how well I would do on the 32 question test, <laughs> you know? Uh, but I think stepping forward as pastors and the kind of the goal of this podcast, right? We want to be improving small wins every day. Like Caleb, what can we do to be battling this in our own lives mm. and to be as a church in a community, battling it in our community, with our kids, with the people we sit next to, with our friends, with our neighbors. It's How great. do we move from biblical illiteracy to being biblically, mm. biblically literate? So uh, literally I have an article pulled up here uh, from Logos, uh, word by word, and it's five tips to increase biblical literacy <laughs> in, in your church. No reason to cre- create the new oil here, Caleb. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, I fully disagree with their step number one. Now, th- obviously, <laughs> it's written to pastors. As you but, would. But <laughs> it says start in the pulpit. And as much as I don't disagree, we need to be preaching and teaching biblical literacy. Okay. I, I wholly agree with that as pastors we have that responsibility. But before we're pastors, first we're believers ourselves. So it has to start in each and every one. If you want to be a part of combating biblical literacy, you have to know it. So you're saying it's not your pastor's responsibility to teach you the Bible. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Get some. I just, 
<laughs> being your youth pastor yeah. for as long as you've been a pastor, like mm-hmm. you, you're about twice as long. Yeah, I've you've been, been a split here. Pastor. Yeah. So, but this is a common theme in youth ministry. Yeah. Like parents outsource faith mm. to youth pastors. Yeah. Uh, I, and it doesn't work. That does not work. Well, one of the things that is, uh, it's triggering for me. <laughs> Trigger one. <laughs> I get triggered hard <laughs> when I hear people like leave a church and they'll say, oh, I just didn't get fed there. I was like, are you a baby? Yeah. The only people that get fed <laughs> are babies in the infirmed. In the infirmed. <laughs> so, so you're basically screaming, wah, wah. I'm a baby. Like feed yourself. Yeah. I don't feed my four-year-old. Actually, he just turned five. I don't feed my five-year-old. In fact, at this point, I won't even make him dinner all the time. I'll be like, go find it yourself. Time to hunt and kill that deer right. yourself, yeah. Zeke. The whole point, <laughs> the whole point is that you need to be, just think of literally feeding, right? The, the analogy is the same. Uh, as a, as a baby, you need spoon fed. You, you need some mentors, some, some parents in your life yep. to, to help you grow. But if you're at the point when you can complain about not getting fed, that's on you. You're the, the, the teenager sitting at home saying, oh, there's nothing to eat. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, the whole pantry's right there. Learn to cook. Yeah. Like you're the 25 year old man who, who just eats cereal and you're like, dude, grow up. Feed yourself. It is not your pastor's job to feed you. And if you're, you, am I saying that food should be available when you go to church? Yes, your pastor should be helping you in that process. But that is not a reason to leave the church. That is not a, a complaint you should ever walk away from the church with. If your pastor's teaching unbiblical things? Yeah. Great. Yep. You could even say, I'm being fed bad things. <laughs> okay, okay, that might be a reason. Leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just we have a babysitter at our house right now. Um and she's doing great. She's feeding them healthy food. I would fire her if I came home and found all they eat ate today was candy. Same thing's true if you're if you're at a church and they're not teaching yeah. the word of God, the the bread. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, okay, th- that's a, a yeah. valid reason. So that was the first but, one in, in your list there was it starts in the pulpit. What you're going to argue is, no, no, it starts at home. It's not even at home. That, that was my second level. Yeah. Uh, is It starts in you. In you. You have to, you want to turn the tide of culture? Start with yourself. You want to, you want culture to be more illiterate? You're a part of culture. Learn the Bible. What would you say to someone then that says, I tried, Caleb, but the Bible's kind of boring? I don't think you've read much of it. <laughs> it's uh, there I are could, parts. I would I would say I understand why it's challenging, it's hard. I would wholly agree. But you know what? There's there's thousands, millions of different resources. A huge one we would plug all the time: the Bible Project. The Bible Project. We we go <laughs> yes. through this a lot. Uh, well, I still do this. Uh, when I go to start reading a new book, I'll, I'll either read through the whole thing as fast as I can. Or I'll go watch the Bible Project video. It's a five to 10 minute video that lays out the entire book. And then I'll jump in and read it myself. And guys, I, I, I've been reading since I, the Bible since I could read. Um, I'm 35 years old, but I've, been, I've got 30 years of reading the Bible. 
So you figured it out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> is, no, I'm still continually blown away by what I did not know. Yeah. In these short videos that lay out the book. So first, growing yourself. The second thing I would say is in your home. Okay. You want to change culture? Start changing your own home. Again, the culture of your house. The culture of your house. Uh, when we get up in the morning, the mm -hmm. first thing that we do is read the Bible. That would be a yep. culture change. That'd be a culture change. So are you dads as the pastor? Say it of again. Your, you dads yes. as the pastor <laughs> of your family, are you creating biblically culture, uh, biblically literate uh, family? That would include yourself, your wife, your kids. Are you leading them in, in, in learning the story of scripture? Uh, it's, it's challenging. Oh man, we just, Shauna just takes out her small group girls mm -hmm. for uh, coffee through the summer, just trying to connect mm -hmm. with them. And one of the girls, we just learned something from her that her parents do that we're now trying to pick up and implement in our house. Uh, rare is it that Shauna's like, oh my gosh, this kid has got it figured out. It's like mm -hmm. doing their Bible study. Like, well, she's like, well, she, you know, has that being modeled in your home? And she was like, oh, my dad has a daily quiet time. My mom has a daily quiet time. And for a long time, before we could get on anything screened or anything fun, my dad would ask us, so what did you read in the Bible today? Mm. And then mm. we had to tell him, and then he, we knew he was going to ask questions. Nice. And if we couldn't answer the 32-point quiz, <laughs> <laughs> then he sent us back. And I, so we'd been recently trying to start this, and I asked yesterday, Emma, what did you read in the Bible? Mm. And uh, it took her some time. Yeah. But just a small little change. And I, am I going to be doing that every day? I don't know. Probably not. But I'm going to try. But that's a, a good goal to yeah. be growing towards. Uh, do you want to do you want to share who that was? The Lukers, the Lukers. Okay. So, uh, if some of you might know them. Uh, they're actually not members of our church; they're members of a different church. Their kids come to our youth group. That's great. Uh, just doing great. That I, I love it. Did, <laughs> what did you read today? Uh, honestly, for for me personally, that's a, a little bit challenging because I haven't yet moved my kids to their own. Quite. I, I I'm <laughs> not to flex here, but we, we've had our. Bible time as a family. That's the first thing in the morning. Literally, uh, how I wake the kids up every morning is I blast. I have a playlist on Spotify called Family Wake Up, and it's just upbeat, fun, crazy music, and I start blasting that at the house at whatever time we get up. The kids come out to the living room, and we read a passage, pray. Uh, we work through the Lord's Prayer, memorizing that, uh, and then we, most mornings, sing a song together, a family worship song. Uh, honestly, it's not a kid's song. It's a contemporary worship song that they will sing in church. I want to teach them what the church is singing. That's uh, No, it's good. It. We'll keep going on your list because I, I think battling yeah. illiteracy is going to go a long way of fighting the predators of your faith. Well, and so then, so yourself, your family, and then and the, it's just the ripple effects. Then in your community, and for us as pastors, it's a big deal for me that I, I want to teach the people I'm involved with um, how to read the Bible. And in one sense, that's demonstrated. Yeah. And in another sense, I have the, the opportunity to do that more formally. And yeah. like, hey, here's some formal things for how to read. We hope to have a series on that, like how to read, how to study, mm. favorite tips, things like that. Yeah, here on the podcast. You should see Caleb when he prepares his sermon. He was doing the one this week. <laughs> I call it, I called it something this week that he laughed beautiful at. Beautiful mind. Yeah, he beautiful minds <laughs> it. It's like, uh, he looks like he's tracking down a serial killer with all the pins and the, yes. the lines and the strings. And he... I guess what I'm trying to say here, there are going to be people around you that just trend to want to get more excited about this. Mm -hmm. Like Caleb gets more excited about study in general than yeah. I do. Uh, it is not an excuse to not study though. Right. 
And uh, the the other thing I'll just add as we as we kind of wrap up here is that biblical illiteracy is not changed in a day. Oh man. It there's something beautiful about that dude who's been studying his Bible for 50, 60, 70, 80 years. The depth of his knowledge. Yeah. You don't get that quickly. You get it with the daily habit of five minutes starting when, when you're when That's you're so good. Wherever you are. You, you, if you have never read the Bible regularly, start. You're a baby Bible reader. Psalm so, 1 describes the man who follows God's words as a tree mm-hmm. planted by the streams of water. Yeah. Trees don't grow in a day. It's exactly. Uh, and the longer that you stay in your Bible, the stronger you will become against the predators of these faith. That, mm-hmm. That's why we started here with biblical yeah. literacy. Yeah, because honestly, all the rest of these are irrelevant if you're not biblically literate. Uh, and uh, you don't know how to answer any of the rest of It these. doesn't make any sense to do the others. Right. <laughs> or yeah. most of the others. Because yeah. if we're going to the Bible as the authoritative word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the Bible says is breathed out by God in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, John 1 tells us that Jesus was the word. He was there at the beginning. He, yeah, th- this is authority. So if you don't agree with this, then yeah. the series isn't for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. This podcast probably isn't for you. Yeah, in general. Hey, just as we wrap up, uh, a couple of things that you've used that you suggest to other people in helping them just get into reading the Bible. We yeah, uh, the Bible first project. Bible project is great. I would say the version of the Bible you're reading matters a lot. Um, sometimes, you know, there's some of you listening who grew up on the King James Bible and that's how you read it and understand it. And that's great. I would encourage you not to give that to your kids and grandkids. Mm. Uh, they're not going to fully understand that language. Uh, you don't fully understand that (laughs) language. I would assume, uh, give them something like an ESV and NIV, something like that. That's going to be, uh, since the Bible was being translated, is being translated into languages that the people who are reading it can understand. So Mm. that would be a big one. Uh, Caleb said, find resources uh, mm-hmm. like the Bible Project, uh, like the Holy Bible app on your phone. It's got a lot mm-hmm. of good ones. Yep. Uh, go to classes that are beyond just Sunday morning preaching. Mm. Uh, I know we we challenge people to be two-hour people. Uh, it's going to help you understand and get excited about those things. And I would say, as I always say, get into a community of people who mm-hmm. love the Bible and who are going to challenge you with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. would you have anything to that list? Uh, I mean, if you're looking for next level stuff, like uh, there's uh, the Bible Project has all their videos, but they also have classes that they teach. And you can also just pick up a commentary on how to read the Bible. I mentioned uh, in our reading one, uh, Grasping God's Word. It's it's all about how do you understand the yeah. Bible? If you don't know the Bible, read a, a book that it says, here's how you read the Bible. Uh, and Grasping God's Word is... That's it's so good. accessible for anybody. So it's not... You and I have gone back and forth on the value of study Bibles too. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I love study Bibles. Yeah. Uh, I just love... Read it for yourself. It can be a crutch. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't immediately go to the commentaries. Don't immediately go to... Sit there and think about it for a little yeah. bit. And for, for uh, most of my experience, kids and, and people are so quick to say, oh, I don't get it. Well, did how long did you spend wrestling with it and chewing on it and thinking about it? Uh do that, and then if, yeah. if you're still struggling, go find a pastor, go find a commentary. Anyway. I'm really excited about this series about how to combat the predators of our faith. Mm. Uh, one, just to, I don't want to see people walk away from the faith. No. And, I, and I want to, you know, Joe says all the time, like, learn the lights that you're strong in the dark. Mm. When hard things begin to happen to you, the things that you're going to fall back on. When, when hard questions are, are given to you, 
how you answer them matters. Exactly. So, uh, so uh, next week, we're going to jump back into the next topic. Uh, we will see you then.